Hello and welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share first-hand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we're joined by Dan Miller. Dan is the founder of Opus Research. Opus Research is an advisory and analysis firm that provides insight on software and services that support multimodal customer care. Dan talked to Gene about what digital self-service means for enterprises, as well as what's inside a DSS solution. So here is part one of our conversation with Dan. Take it away, Gene. Dan, welcome to the show. We gave a short intro in the beginning, but I would love you to tell us a little more about your personal journey through the tech space. Is I found it tremendously interesting. What led you to founding of the Opus Research? Wow. Okay. Well, I think one of the things that most impresses people when I talk is, is um, I started Opus in 1986 um, after working in corporate strategy for Atari of all places. Since so many um, developers are gamers and came out of the game business, um, I was there at the beginning, sort of, and. Um, we were developing, you know, as Atari's core business was around games, obviously. They also had a line of computers, as many people know, had their Atari 800s and that sort of thing. And we were investigating just as uh, 300 baud modems were getting popular and that sort of thing, what sort of services a company like Atari could offer electronically to home devices. And we talked to phone companies, and I, I got to know. Um, a lot about telephony in, in that process. I got tours of electronic switching systems and centers and, and that sort of stuff. And uh, long story, a little shorter, you know, Atari suffered um, a bit in the marketplace. Uh, our group was kind of spun off and then dissolved. And that's when I um, hung up the shingle to start Opus. And and Opus's mission was just uh, to work with companies that were looking at developing uh, interactive services, essentially. But they were kind of slow to develop. So I, I, I do all sorts of uh, research around what we now call conversational commerce. Uh, that we started looking, at that time, I called it conversational access technologies. But it, it was essentially voice. <laughs> it, our, our premise from even back then was that, that voice is probably the most powerful uh, user interface, that using our own words to uh, accomplish the tasks we want to do through ever more powerful resources, which we now call in the cloud, which back then we called in hosted services, <laughs> all those sorts of things. The, um, the names have changed, but the core technologies are the same. But I also want to say I'm, I'm essentially an English major and journalist. I like writing about this stuff. Um, I, I do not code. I, I learned basic in um, ninth grade in 1960-something <laughs> on GE timesharing. So I know a little bit about programming. But uh, from then on, mostly I, I write in English. And, and I just, um, I've always been fascinated in how technology can help us out. What an honor to have you on the show today. I, I simply could not have picked a better uh, person to talk about this and I especially to check in at this time because the, given the pandemic reality we are living through together these days, 
um, it appears that the stakes are getting even higher for many businesses to get really the digital self-service, right? Mm -hmm. and, and actually these services, are, you know, those solutions are not entirely new space. And, and I would love it if, if you can just kind of uh, give us a little historical overview of how this thing has evolved and you know, where it's headed a little bit. Yeah. So self-service used to be code for just automated handling, you know, replacing people with machines, even when it was, hey, an interactive voice response system, an IVR would answer the phone um, and give people static choices, pick one for sales, two for service and that sort of thing, just um, to replace a less expensive resource, uh, I'm sorry, to replace an expensive resource with a less expensive resource, automation. Um, as, as the systems became more robust and could understand people's intent and that sort of thing, um, self-service got redefined, at least in my mind, and the world's starting to figure this out, that it really means service of self. And it, it means that people can use their own words, you know, whether they're typing them in or saying them, and accomplish the task that, that they think they want to do. It, it, so we're looking at... Um, resources that recognize or anticipate an individual's intent based on what they know uh, when that person contacts a brand or a company. And you know the cues may be what they say or whether they're picking one or two or three, but it could also be you know their history, um, what apps they've used on their smartphone, <laughs> what their number is. You know, they, they have a lot of more cues to key off of to, to recognize intent. And to your point about you know, the, the pandemic exposing a few things, um, it, it exposed a few trends that were already well underway, that the, the best companies um, were already putting into practice the use of speech analytics, the use of natural language understanding of machine learning to better understand their customers. Now, I know there's a fine line between that <laughs> and pure surveillance and sort of hoovering up a lot of information about individuals. Um, but, you know, we're really, in, in terms of defining self-service, def also defining what I would call benign surveillance, so that you do have information um, in in a smartphone, <laughs> well, there is a debate about where it's gonna get stored in that sort of thing. But you know, as, as developers try to figure out how to build better self-service apps, um, they know that there's tools that um, will help you know, develop the right prompts um, to use those prompts to take the correct action, to make the right dips into the right database um, to better serve people. And that got accelerated as people were forced to stay at home and do more, more sorts of things online or over the phone. The way you are describing what the origin was, what he's trying to do, are there any uh, misinterpretation in, uh, uh, you know, in terms of what it is supposed to do and, and what it means uh, that, that really bug you? Uh, a term that we call intelligent assistant, as opposed to um, chatbots. Um, and we were trying to capture the idea that um, we're using technology or intelligence in the network or on devices as an assistant to the individual that's using it. So to, answer, to cut to your question, um, 
you know, the word chatbot came up almost in, almost simultaneously with this idea of a virtual agent. You know, that if there's a a Siri on your phone or Alexa on your um, on your smart speaker, you know, that's that's a virtual system. But if you're on a messaging app and you know something pops up uh, in a bubble and you know it's automated, well, that's a chatbot. And the problem I always had with chatbot is that to me, bots were viruses. You know, bots in the you know '80s or '90s or or whatever were 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 malicious code <laughs> that you know went around and 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 planted malware or stole your information or or whatever. Um, the idea that there's chatbots, I I I have now come to embrace because it it is the term that people use, <laughs> but it's kind of like holding your nose and saying, okay. Um, you know, I'll, I'll vote for that because there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of um, creativity that's going into you know creating better chatbot platforms to uh, bringing big developer communities in to improve what a chatbot is. So it's a chatbot. But to me, if you think of it more as an intelligent assistant or a virtual agent, um, your your you know, bot also implies something like robotic process automation, that there's repetitive tasks or go fasters um, that are there. And that's benign, I don't mind that, um, but it, it doesn't put you on a continuum to say, okay, if I can do task one really quickly on behalf um, of, of a caller, um, I can also use, <laughs> I should recognize that that task may lead to five more tasks and um, you know, we'll get to this later in our discussions, but as you design a better bot, they become more conversational. Um, they handle multi-slotted instances, meaning that, you know, somebody may uh, engage with a chatbot or an intelligent assistant to um, buy an insurance policy. I'll, I'll jump right to a complex one. Um, and there's a bunch of questions and answers that have to take place. Uh, to qualify that individual, to know what they're really asking for, essentially to fill out a form. And that means there's many slots in a conversation and you, you want, and you can build this into quote at chatbot, <laughs> but, it, but it's, it's more likely that if you think of it as an assistant, uh, helping somebody enroll, helping somebody fill out a form, uh, then, then you, you are better at, at helping that individual accomplish his or her task. You know, the, the precursor to chatbots were these things called chatterbots. One of the early ones uh, was something called Eliza, which was like a, um, an online um, uh, psychiatrist sort of app. And I'm, I'm misrepresenting this because my brain's not totally, but it, it essentially was designed to engage in a conversation and that conversation can be sort of aimless because it, it basically would say, you know, how are you feeling? And you'd say, I'm feeling fine. Go, fine. It, it would like take your last word and then put an upward inflection on it. And those things could go back and forth um, for, for days, essentially. It could go on forever. Um, whereas when you're, when you're trying to apply an intelligent assistant um, in, in self-service, you're trying to accomplish a task. So... Um, you know, there, there's a notion that, hey, if I, if I design the perfect chatbot um, and um, it would answer a question 
and ensure that it was correct and then say, oh, my job is done. And you, know, you could have 100% correctness and very short conversations and nothing gets done. If you design an intelligent assistant, there's, there's more conditions or rules assigned. So you say, okay, Dan's calling to you know, buy insurance. I need to know, you know and, and that pulls up sort of a form or a set of slots that need to be populated. I need to know his age, I need to know his income, his general health, all that stuff. And, and if you design a, an assistant to do that, you know, that's all doable with today's current tools. And, and it's just a matter of intent. I, I just urge that people don't call them chatbots. <laughs> Uh, that totally jives with uh, one of uh, recent experiences I had. You know, I, I was in a, a meeting with a bunch of people uh, from customer um, experience uh, department, and we are talking about uh, using uh, WhatsApp and and using that as an additional channel to do CX customer mm -hmm. experience and and conversations with the you know agents and and bots, and in that particular meeting. After everything was launched, you know, you, we have a head of IT sitting there, and we have, he's he's more interested in, well, can I get this onboarding process done as well? Um, you know, yeah. can I can I have them actually activate their SIM card? In this case, it was a telco, and yeah. and so that that conversation quickly moves. Yes, you can have a conversation and and exchange dialogue, okay, and then it quickly moves to okay, what else can you do step by step, and can can we do this? And and I totally, I, I think we are beginning to see this. And then one of the interesting thing is that these days. Uh, because users are already familiar with with using a lot of different chat apps, and and whether that's uh, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, what have you, uh, they already kind of know this um, interface going back and forth. Now, what do you see now that now that this this whole coupling of of popularized um, chat apps coming together with the automation and uh, in the back, and what do you see happening there? Wow, <laughs> um, a couple of things to be cognizant of. One is um, you 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 sort of well, Opus separates the core technologies that support conversational commerce into sort of a front end group, which is a conversational user interface. And there, a lot of attention is paid to um, training a system to understand uh, consistently the intent of an individual and then match it with the correct resource to respond correctly or make the correct um, uh, recommendation or route it to a person <laughs> that can, can do all of that. So those are the three things that happen on the front end. And if you're a developer, um, you know, there's a lot of platforms that will perform the core functions uh, to discover you know, what, uh, what the right answers are or recommendations based on ingesting past conversations um, and, and you know, sort of building accuracy in recognizing what that intent is and then going the next Step, which is oh, which of these answers answered correctly, and then you know building a, essentially a, a um, 
a thing <laughs> that that responds correctly or make the, the right recommendation recommendations at scale, um, you know, based on past uh, performance. Now, the other part we call conversational intelligence, and that's what your question was about. Um, what if it isn't, you know, so the easiest thing a chatbot can do is be something like a glorified um, uh, FAQ, that there's a static set of correct answers. And what you're trying to do is tune the thing to recognize that intent accuracy based on past conversations. But what if it's, um, and this is what we're learning from the pandemic, what if it's a shopping app and you need to know, you know what's, on, what's in stock and how much it costs and, and, and that's ever changing. Um, and there's some more information you have to get from an individual about you know, how to deliver it, how, how they wanna pay and that sort of stuff. And that all needs to read from or write to back office systems. So, um, there's, cons um, there's considerable thought going into, um, and, and this has to do with what your IT manager was asking, going into what, what sort of uh, curation or cleaning up of back office systems um, in order to offer consistently correct results <laughs> based on real-time information at scale. And, and that's still sort of being ironed out, um, but, uh, you know, we, we have the benefit of past investments that companies have made, um, you know, to create, uh, you know, to sort of transform these things into these processes uh, into services. Many times there's APIs for them, you know, there's APIs for um, getting the credit card information, you know, writing to the credit card or payment systems. Um, there's connectors into inventory systems and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, that's on a case by case basis. That's why there'll always be a role for, you know, developers and, and people to care and feed these um, intelligent assistants or bots over time because um, they get better with experience, but they do require supervision. You mentioned many things still, you know, to be ironed out. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I, I, that I could not have put it uh, better. So now, but despite all, uh, have you seen anything recently that, that you, it kind of surprised you? I mean, like, oh, this thing is really working. It's like, I, in terms yeah. of like a user experience, it's actually a satisfying experience that you get some things done. Have you seen anything? Uh, <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask this and, and it troubles me. Um, I, I haven't been surprised yet. I, I still want to be. There, there's things we visualized back, you know, when we thought we'd have uh, flying cars before we'd have uh, self-driving cars. You know, we, where you know technology takes sort of a, a, a left turn. There's two sources of creativity. There, you know, there's there's you know up and coming firms that have you know developed um, you know both either better user interfaces or better ways to understand or companies that have gotten better at figuring out the the middleware to um you know get the right information and um i'm still i'm still kind of waiting for things to come together uh i i think it uh, i think it one of the airlines i i believe uh KLM was was used was uh, exhibiting 
great confidence that you could use, you know, a WhatsApp or a social network um, to do more things that people are sort of accustomed to related to flying through social networks. And, and I think it's that kind of thing, it's gonna be subtle. <laughs> it, you know, one, one of the examples, and, and this one's kind of obvious is, um, you know, people that have Alexa and have an Amazon Prime account and have made an order might come home and there'll be like a, a green flashing ring on, on, on their Echo and it'll be to, you know, tell them that, you know, that something they ordered is on its way. So, you know, where, where the small victories are going to be is where these interactive entities are really ingrained in your life in a way that, that you use them repeatedly and, and you just sort of come to, um, to accept them and use them often. You know, I was on my way to, to New York, flight gets uh, routed to Washington, D.C., the next time I call the 800 number to the airline, it says, hi, Dan, I see, I see you're on a, you know, a, a flight that's been misdirected. Are you calling about that? <laughs> and that's a small victory. You know, that's using some logic in, the, in their system to, to um, you know, it's authenticated me. It knows that I'm calling from my phone. Um, it, it gives a personal message about me. Um, and then it tries to accelerate me, you know, resolving some problem that it anticipated that I had. So that's, that's what I think we want to work toward. I mean, unpacking that sliver of a moment that yeah. you are delighted, uh, yeah. all those elements in it, and, and, and it just the amount of uh, work that goes into it to create that at scale mm -hmm. is, is still mind boggling. And, and it, it's great to hear that we, we talked about developers still having a lot of work to do and, mm -hmm. and, and, and all the data and, and the tools that need to be connected and all that. But we are also starting to see, I'm not sure if you are seeing that as well, there's some um, you know, more demand for pre-built tools um, that, that coming into play. Is this going to help at all or what do you see? Oh, absolutely. So, and, and it's not just the, the pre-built, uh, um, it, it's also the low code and no code sort of development environments that are out there. Uh, because what, it in, what, what we're seeing is the growth in, you might call them citizen programmers and, and business organization. It's like, they used to call it the shadow IT, but it's a business, uh, they don't even have to be IT so much, but it's business unit employees as subject matter expert to bring what they know about, um, you know, what good service is uh, into self-service. So that, and so that, um, you know, one of the things we're finding is you can use, you can, you can use analytics to identify the best agents and the best answers. You may then um, in, in uh, uh, try to get one of the one of the best agents to come over to the self-service side and be the supervisor to the the bot help the bot learn and if if it's if it's a matter of like pointing at a radio button or you know just you know doing a checkbox as opposed to even doing pull down menus and connecting diamonds and squares and circles um, that, that's a big plus. So we're, we're seeing advancement and, uh, advancements in just the, um, 
you know, build, you know have, having tools that don't require coding. Um, you also brought up the, um, the pre-population of some basic skills um, on a vertical basis, uh, you know, on, on a per industry basis, you know, because a, a, tel a, a bank is going to be different from a telco, it's gonna be different from healthcare. There's some horizontal things like enrollment where you just wanna get name, address, telephone number, method of payment and that sort of thing. Why wouldn't you make all of that generic? And then there's, there's um, you know, special cases or uh, common activities based on industry where you should, you know, build the, the same sorts of things. Um, there have been bots being developed for 15 years now. And I would say there's precursor scripts that have been developed for speech-enabled IVRs that we know what the most frequent uh, uh, topics are or categories of calls um, and now uh, chats <laughs> um, into companies. Um, and so there's, there's what can be thought of as tremendous amount of prior art to shorten the time it takes to get a, an effective bot up and operating quickly. And um, that, that's happening. Since um, it's happening more for certain industry sectors, um, certain use case, and, and probably that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, you're citing airline industry uh, as well and, and things like that. It, is, is there intrinsic difference in, in, in some of these sectors to be able to get going faster? Is it, you know, is it availability of data and what have you? Um, well, we, so I mentioned prior art, um, you know, in the form of IVR scripts and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, dating back, you know, to the turn of the century, the you, what we call the usual list of suspects for, for companies that are ripe for automation, you know, have been uh, telcos, financial services, travel. Um, uh, the first work we did was actually government, but there's some reasons why that gets held up um, and, and healthcare will, will be next as, as well. And, um, you know, the, the, the core model and suit for sort of eligibility for automation, it, you know, initially was, uh, you know, a frequent number of calls for some repeated action. So, um, you know, it, you know, getting, uh, you know, a balance, you know, a balance in, you know, back in the old days when phones were, when wireline phones were the major source, not, not this and not apps. I mean, we, we know what the, what the frequently used um, uh, apps are, what the functions of those apps that, that you use daily are, and that sort of defines, um, you know, what, what the most popular um, uh, vertical industries are going to be. There's also uh, has to be a, a business case behind, you know, if, if, you know, since it is an enterprise and everything's built on ROI, um, you know, what drove the original automation, <laughs> which then drove self-service, you know, was, was just replacing humans with automation, as I said, and you could look at the volume of calls look at the percentage you could quote capture, do the math of, oh, it's $25 per call versus five or something like that. And you could build a business case for automating. 
we don't have the, you know, now that things have been automated, we don't have the same numbers for um, moving from this form of automation to a conversational form of automation. Uh, but what we do have is in vertical industry, you can make a case um, in financial services a, a little faster, um, where uh, especially among high net worth individuals, there, there's categories of callers and applications where you can build a, a business case. Uh, airlines is the same sort of thing because the average airline ticket is hundreds of dollars. <laughs> the um, uh, the the uh, cost of of you know real time support involving individuals get can you know can be high. Uh, they can be lengthy as as issues gets more complex. So you, you can start building cases that say, hey, if I can do a chatbot that can do more than just answer a balance inquiry and can um, you know, march somebody through the process of you know, booking a flight or, or you know, uh, you know, making complex choices about the nature of a room in a hotel, get their questions answered, um, I, can, I can build a business case for that. So that, that's the hidden thing is that some industries are more conducive to, um, you know, to a, a good ROI. Telecommunications, especially when um, you know, cable companies and wireless companies were locking you into a one or two year deal and that sort of thing. They, they, they knew what the, you know, the incremental revenue would be for a successful interaction. And you could figure the, the more you can do you know, online or through a, a bot, the better. We, we talked about bits and pieces thinking in, in its totality. So the technology there, things are happening, the, the use cases are as such. Um, if you were to help kind of a mainstream economy, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, most um, high value uh, product, how would how should I, an enterprise think about this in terms of uh, still sitting on the fence and, and thinking yeah. about okay so digital transformation this is one <laughs> way to sustain my business how how yeah. can they even just kind of quickly you know get their arms around it and 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 think about this any any yeah. word of wisdom is what I'm going for here it's a very timely question because uh, in our last report. You know, I, I drew that classic uh, bell-shaped adoption curve that shows, you know, early adopters over on the on this side, and then, you know, that's a, that's the small percentage of companies, usually large, and you know, with an infinite amount of money to invest in things, uh, moving to a much fatter part of the curve, which are the early, um, well, which are the uh, early majority. And, and we're moving to that. And that means that um, uh, it is the medium to large companies, not the super large companies. It means that there are um, products and services that will help them uh, get started with a pretty formidable uh, digital self-service product. Um, uh, you know, something cloud-based uh, uh, tools that you initially 
just go to a website, give your name, and you have access to um, you know, pull down menus and things to just start uh, building bots. And there's enough sort of prior uh, experience that the, <laughs> the learnings of these larger companies, you know, that you, you know what doesn't work and you, you have instances where you can point and say, I want, I want what those people have. So, so we've reached this point where um, there's, there's premium models for, uh, and consumption models for the, for the tools and resources to build uh, you know, good intelligent assistance um, th that you know, start free and then grow with you. There are guidelines even in the in the APIs. You know, once you enroll, that that sort of have the do's and don'ts. Um, and there's tools that that subject matter experts, as opposed to IT people, can do. So chances are, companies are already doing this. Somebody's, you know, somebody in you know in marketing or or in support has said, you know, we really should have a you know a bot on WhatsApp that you know can take care of. 80% of these, you know, stupid calls we have about wanting a refund, <laughs> you know, it's kind of happening organically. Thank you again to Dan Miller for joining us today. Don't forget to tune into our next episode for the conclusion of our conversation with Dan. You can find out more about Dan and Opus Research at opusresearch.net. To find out more about Gene and Tentech, visit tentech.com. Make sure to search for Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Tintech, thanks for listening.